Welcome to The Unfiltered Musician, where we give you all the tea on life as a musician and how to navigate the industry. This is episode number nine, How to Cold Call. Welcome back to another episode of The Unfiltered Musician. We're your hosts, Vanessa Perret and Ryan Mancini. And today we'll be talking about how to get more gigs by cold calling. Thank you if you're joining us again as a frequent listener. And if you're new, you're in for a treat. Let's start off with a weekly check-in, like always. Vanessa, what's happening? Well, last weekend, I performed for a funeral that was kind of high profile for the area. The person was very affluent in the community. And the exciting thing was for, you know, thinking on the basis of me getting that as a gig, I was able to increase my rate, which was pretty exciting. So always a, always a good time when there is a little more money involved. But I think I've talked about before how I do appreciate performing at funerals because even though it could be someone's worst day that is attending that funeral, you are making that day so much brighter for them. And the music really adds to just the entire experience of, of celebrating that person. Yeah, and I sat in the audience on this one and he was actually a criminal defense lawyer for 60 years. He literally practiced law since he got out of college. And he did that till like, I think the week that he died. It's kind of crazy. Uh, on my end of things, I got my mancinimedia.co website up Yay! and running. It's not yeah. a secret anymore. <laughs> no, it, I mean, it wasn't a secret. <laughs> I had already mentioned that a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah. But the website is up and running. Um, I've been filming some ads, some boring stuff, and doing some weddings recently. I had one on Sunday. I've got one tomorrow. Uh, they're always fun to film. It's always nice because it's someone's happiest day, <laughs> other than Vanessa's funerals where it's someone's probably worst day. <laughs> We're totally <laughs> total opposite sides of the spectrum there. Well, I mean, who is to say that it isn't someone's... That's morbid. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't say that. That definitely woke me up. It's 11 p.m., by the way, that we're recording this on a yes. Friday night. Unfortunately, we're not doing the video portion, which kind of hurts my heart as a video person, but we got to take care of ourselves, and it's just not something that's feasible at the moment. After all, a podcast is meant to be just speaking anyways. Yeah, so, just to tickle the ears, you know? <laughs> okay. There are definitely going to be some weird things said tonight. <laughs> I can already tell. It's that time. And in other news, Vanessa and I almost died on the highway. I literally <gasps> thought someone shot at my car. It was terrifying. It, it, I think it's giving us anxiety probably for the next month <laughs> of driving. Like I keep looking around now to see if someone is high-beaming me on purpose because they're angry or... Whatever, but let me tell you the story that actually happened. I was going to say, give me a little context. <laughs> yeah, let me... <laughs> Jesus. All right, so I was in the leftmost lane turning to get onto the highway, yet someone, either they thought that there was another left lane or they were just being a Hartford driver and decided to go into the other lane, so crossing the yellow lines. Like opposing traffic. Yes, other exactly. <laughs> yeah. So they went 
even more left than me and trying to pass me, even though we were both going onto the on-ramp of the highway. And uh, I guess I kind of put a hand up like, what are you doing? Because I was kind of confused. Like, why are they trying to pass me? We're both turning left. And then after we had both merged onto the highway, they eventually caught up with me and I didn't pay attention because it's nighttime and I'm trying to get somewhere. So I'm facing forward. That's all I'm focused on. Well, Vanessa apparently sees uh, this person roll down their window and wind up to throw something, right? Yeah, they like pulled up to us in the other lane on the highway, rolled down their window, and then they threw like a giant object at Ryan's car while we were driving on the highway. And Ryan thought it was gunshots. So we're both like screaming, like hands in the air. Swerving on the highway. Well, my hands were not in the air. Mine were certainly in the air. <laughs> but yeah, I've that's never happened before. That was very yeah. interesting. And I never looked at the guy. I could tell just like peripherals that someone was lining up their car with mine. But all of a sudden, it was just a loud boom. Like think of 64 ounce hydro flask filled with water. Like that's sometimes like up to a... 10 or 15 pound weight sometimes. So imagine someone is chucking something like that as hard as they can at the side of your car. On the highway. On the highway. Okay, mind you, we're all going 50 at this point. So like all of a sudden, boom. And I'm like, oh my God. So I duck my head down and I'm flooring it. Like I don't need, I don't even know if I told you that, Vanessa, but my foot was literally flooring it immediately. That's oh, why we were going it. so fast right away. <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> Thankfully, I fixed my engine a while back. I did all the tune-ups that I needed to, and I was able to pick up and go for that moment. And I just wanted to get away because I thought it was a gunshot, and I didn't want the next hit to be something that would shatter a windshield. So... Well, in times like this, I just always say Hartford has it. <laughs> Hartford does have it. Hartford has violence. <laughs> but hey, okay. I figure we can survive living here. It's not that bad. You just, you know, have one incident maybe of that caliber on occasion. <laughs> right. My brain is still stuck on the fact that I thought it was a gunshot and I just can't believe my, I can't tell myself to believe something otherwise. But let's just get into the topic. <laughs> Enough of the story time. So why cold calling? <laughs> so if you want to get more gigs, cold calling is a necessary process that you have to go to, especially if you don't have connections right away. So you can start off with email. You can start off with phone numbers. You can visit places, go face-to-face. -face. Those technically are all, eh. except for face-to-face, -face, those are kind of all cold calling. Because you don't know this person and you're trying to make a connection right away. That's the essence of cold calling. It's very salesy. But what I would suggest, number one rule with cold calling, especially for musicians, don't email. Yeah. It really depends on the person you're trying to reach out to. But most of the time, don't email. If you're trying to get into a bar, if you're trying to get into a restaurant, um... Most venues, it's easier to just call because you get someone that's that you can speak to right away and they have to make a decision in that moment. Hey, do you need live entertainment at this point in the year? It's either a yes or a no, really. Either they do or they don't. 
If they're interested, they might ask you about rates. They might ask you, where have you performed before? Do you have a portfolio that you can show us? So that's something that you might want to prepare earlier in advance. What kind of things would you put in a portfolio, Vanessa? I would just put maybe some recent performances, making sure you actually have good footage and good content, which is not always easy to to get your hands on, but you know, that's definitely something you have to premeditate beforehand just so it's not like some grainy video that like your aunt took <laughs> at one of your gigs, you know? Like you want to show you want to put your best foot forward. So you want to show yourself in different settings. And maybe performing, you know, playing different genres. And you really just want to showcase all that you can bring to the table. The most impressive content. Right. And I would also, I'm going to contradict you just a little bit. Oh. All right. So (laughs) the most important thing in those types of videos is going to be the audio. Obviously, they want to know that you are someone who sounds good. That's that's really all that matters. That would be important. Right, because you could share your Spotify artist portfolio if you have music that you've released or SoundCloud or whatever, just so that they can hear like, oh, yeah, they can actually do that. If you're going for higher end places that really bring in a lot of people, like say you're going to bars in downtown Nashville, you want some high quality stuff. Like there's a lot of competition. So having that extra edge... They want to see, can you bring in a crowd? Can you make a crowd excited? Those are the types of things you would see in that type of video, as well as having the high-quality audio, because obviously you got to sound good in order to get in anywhere. But say you are someone who's starting out that has never booked a gig before. So let's rewind in my life. I started out with nursing homes, retirement centers, and stuff like that. It actually started as my senior project. I had just decided I'm going to put together a one-hour set of music that I think people who are 80, 90, and even 100 would listen to. The old ladies love him. They they loved it. And they actually, that day that I did that for my senior project, they were like, oh, we want to hire you to see if you'll come back again. And then boom. They were like, $75 for an hour. And I was like, <gasps> little old... 17-year-old me, like, what? <laughs> I can make $75 in an hour? Seven five? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was like, this is so easy. Like, I could just put together with the same one-hour set and just go around to every retirement center. And all of a sudden, like, my interest was piqued. I looked at every list of retirement home in Rhode Island. <laughs> He's really good with lists. <laughs> oh, my God. I love lists. But I looked at every retirement home and I I made a little Google spreadsheet of the names of the places, where they are, who I can contact, and the phone numbers. And I would call them and I would have a script prepared. This is also another thing that you want, a script. And I'll tell you exactly the things that you need to say in a moment. Oh, yeah. And then you save them for the next time and like have different scripts for different categories of businesses. And I, I do that for my own business a lot. I have... Um, I, I think I call it my first call spiel. That's what it's called on my Google Drive. And anytime I'm on a call with either a new client or a parent of that student, it's all, you know, on the same premise, same information. And, you know, of course you want to customize it depending on who you're talking to, but you know, like what can you say that will really entice that person? Like what they want to hear. Right. If you put in your cold call script, hey, is this XYZ? 
You don't want to say when you pick up the phone, hey, is this XYZ? You want to actually change that to the actual person you're speaking to. (laughs) Hey, is this the business owner? Is this the events manager? Is this the coordinator of activities? Uh, Everybody has weird titles. They don't really mean anything. (laughs) They really don't. It's just to sound pretty in the moment. But you want to find the person in charge. So... I would always call and ask for, hey, do you know how I can get in touch with the activities director? And usually they would say, yes, or what's this about? And then I would say, oh, I'm trying to see if I can book live music here. I'm a musician from the area, and I perform one-hour sets of 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s music for the residents. And usually... Most of them won't gatekeep after that point because you've developed that trust by saying who you are. And then they'll probably send you over. Sometimes you get an answering machine, and that's fine. Just leave a message. One thing you need to know about cold calling is your success rate is supposed to be super low. Oh, yeah. Super low. I've called 150 businesses before and only booked 10, maybe... A little more than that. So say if I booked 15, that's 10%. 10% success rate. First of all, 10% is not that bad. No, and I mean, coming from a former receptionist slash telemarketer, <laughs> that's a really good day. <laughs> right, and usually if you are a telemarketer, it, it plummets. You're usually supposed to aim for just about 1%. 1% of the times that you call someone random... Someone's going to want what you're selling them. And usually, and this is coming from someone who owns a video business that has to do salesy stuff, people don't like to be sold. They like to be invited to the awesome things that you can bring to them. Or you need to make them feel like they need that service. Like, oh, yeah, I I didn't realize I did, but whoa. (laughs) Right, and that's the other thing about cold calling is a lot of people get nervous like, oh, they don't want to hear from me. Like the, I'm bothering them throughout their day. No, you're not. You have to think about it as if you're actually helping them in the moment. If you go into every call like, okay, I'm going to get a gig and I'm actually helping someone by calling them. You're doing the work for them so that they don't have to reach out through a website or look online or search through Instagram or whatever to find a musician. You're showing up Right at their doorstep, basically, to say, hey, I'm here for you. And they'll say no. Sometimes they're, they've got it covered. Maybe they just don't do that sort of thing. Maybe they just don't have that budget, and that's fine. And, you know, I think I learned this in a debate class, but usually the first person that does speak loses. And so let me tell you where I'm getting at. So, of course, like introduce yourself, like say who you are, but hear them out Ask like, hmm, like what, you know, what kind of music do some of the bands play at your bar already? And then like kind of hear what the scene is there that's been established. And then you can kind of create your case of like, oh, well, I can provide that for you too. And then maybe even like one up it, you know? So that's what I mean by (laughs) like whoever speaks first, like ask them questions, like be personal with them instead of giving them the whole salesy pitch, like, you know, like Girl Scouts sitting outside of Stop and Shop and... (laughs) And they're like, you know, going to give you the whole thing to make sure you buy like 40 boxes of cookies. Like, no, you want to hear them out first, see what they might need and how you can swoop in and take the win. 
Right. It's people don't want to be sold on things. If you're just like, hey, I've got something for you, which actually happened to you and uh, our sister-in-law down in Nashville. Oh, when yeah. when someone was like, "Hey, do you guys want ice cream?" You guys immediately went no because you felt like he was selling something to you or something like that. Well, yeah, you always kind of get like when someone hands you something for you're like, "There's a catch." There's always a catch, right? Right. But and there wasn't he, a catch for this one. <laughs> he immediately flipped the script and went, "I'm not even trying to sell you guys something. I don't know why you guys are saying no." <laughs> and then boom, it was like, "Oh, wait a minute." What are you trying to ask me then? And then just like that, I spun a wheel and I won a free pint of ice cream when they open up <laughs> like in right. a month. So actually the whole story was that <laughs> it was an ice cream shop that hasn't opened yet. And so they were just promoting their business at a tent. That's all. Spin the wheel. Maybe you get a coupon. Maybe you don't. And it was actually a really cool kind of idea. But notice how the guy, he didn't speak the whole time. He didn't try to make it feel like he was selling you something because he was. He didn't have anything to sell to you. <laughs> um, when I see lactose, I run towards it. Exactly. So. <laughs> Usually you do. He had me at ice cream, actually. He didn't have to do much. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess he also did get lucky. <laughs> but back to cold calling. Like you said, the first person that speaks loses. I've actually heard that before. I didn't ever hear that from you. And I'm surprised that you actually said that to me. It's just, I don't know this, this time we should maybe do more podcasts at like 1130 at night. Just all the creative juices are flowing. I'm like thinking back to my childhood. Maybe I can recall when I was in the womb, you know, but I learned that in a debate class. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually something that I've been struggling with within my coaching program is when you offer your prices to someone, Don't speak, even if it's two minutes of silence. And two minutes is a really long time for someone not to speak. But let them process. Even if it's like they're mumbling to themselves, don't speak. Don't speak. Why is that surprising you? Let me contradict you, Ryan. Oh, my God. (laughs) When I give my first call spiel, I sandwich my rates in the middle of my my whole spiel. And so I tell them all the things that they want to hear. And it's it's crazy. I would say like nine times out of 10, everyone, you know, after I've given the whole thing, they say, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I need. This sounds great. Like this sounds beautiful. And usually it's, you know, every time it, it seems like they're saying that, which makes you feel really good because you're like, ah, the first call spiel is working. And so I'll say my rates after I've given all of that magic, all that pixie dust, And then, of course, like the pixie dust is probably going to settle to the floor right after I say my rate. But then I also save a few more things. Like, for example, I, you know, offer some financial lenience to some families that may need it. And I'm trying to, you know, I even tell them like some plans for the future where I'm trying to instill more scholarship programs and I give them hopeful things or even promotional announcements and other stuff. So I do give them hope if for whatever reason, even if I, you know, don't have that inkling that they might be worried about that price, I still offer that as like a sense of ease because you never know. It's just like kind of planning ahead. So that's what I do though. Fair enough. I also think your rates are a lot more affordable for the general public. Yeah. But I mean, if you're pitching something like, yep, it's going to be $5,000. And then you try to sandwich it in by saying something else. 
<laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like that's too much. <laughs> Usually for me, it's here's my rate. If it's $15,000, maybe they actually have to think and they just need a second. Or, you know, I mean, because of the hundreds of cold calls that might need to happen, maybe you switch it up a little bit. Like, because of course, like that success rate, like you were saying, is, you know, you expect it to be fairly low, but sometimes it's a little bit of trial and error when you're first starting out and getting comfortable doing that. Right. So also keep some data for yourself to actually figure out like, what works for you? Maybe yeah. you just, you don't have a salesy voice. You don't have a uh, a great success rate with getting people to actually book you. Try some things out. You know, if you're only trying to call 10 people and get 10 gigs, it's not going to work out. This is just a numbers game. You have to do as many as possible. As many as possible. Because if it's going to be 10%, Call a thousand places, get a hundred gigs. Call two thousand places, get two hundred gigs. You know, the more you do it, the more chances you're giving yourself for someone to actually connect with you, know your name, and potentially keep your information for the future. Maybe there's not a need now, but in the future, maybe they do need you. And don't always stick to one call. That's another important thing. Follow up. Maybe first day we want to call, maybe we got no response. Second day, now we want to do another follow-up. Maybe we want to leave a message this time. Third call, check in with the front desk, see, oh, when is this person available? Or when's the best time for me to call them? Fourth time, maybe you want to email that time. Like I said, there's not many places like bars and restaurants and stuff like that that are going to respond to email because they just don't care as much. They usually deal with the person that's in front of them. I don't really recall a single bar that's like checking their email. <laughs> there's, there's not many re no. reasons why. No, there's really <laughs> not. Um, maybe fifth time, you want to show up in person. That's a really bold statement because then it's like, boom, right on the spot. Like, oh, wow. Like, now I have to talk to you. I mean, I would say in person is, an, in person is as bold as you can get. It is. If you feel comfortable doing that, of course. Because then, you know, of course, you can't really have the script nearby with a Well, the script with starts with, call. let me speak to your manager. <laughs> God. <laughs> Don't come into my bar, Ryan. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you, if you feel like your level of confidence can get you physically into a door, that is huge. Because now they're really attaching a name to a face, a voice to a face. And that's pretty influential. And it's really also hard to get an inauthentic response when you're standing right in front of the person. You know, and with cold calls, with, with being in person, I mean, don't stress about the outcome because the worst that you can hear is a no. Right. And, and you and move on. Yes, exactly. And that's when you move on is when they flat out tell you, just no. I mean, I will say there are times where I try and pry a little bit more just for my own sake. Like, oh, how come you feel you don't need live music? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> then it's like, oh, God, now I have to respond even more. Like, it's not just me shunning because I don't want to speak to this person. Now I have to actually explain to them why not. And that's good for your, for your, uh, for your sake, for your notes. And then you can move on a little more happy, better closure. <laughs> yeah, so it really is trial and error, 
with these things. And of course, like having a big margin to work with. So not just like a list of 10. You could even, you know, if you go by state, bars in Connecticut, bars in Rhode Island. I'm only saying New England states because that's where we are. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, have have that big margin to work with so that your outcome is a little more successful. Because like you were saying, that 10%, like say it's a thousand places, 100 gigs, that could, you know, that fills up every weekend in the year (laughs) and then some. Right. And then also another thing is engage with them on social media too, because then it forces them to see your name more and more. The more they see your name, the more they know who to call next time when they actually do need some live music. I started doing that on TikTok, actually. Exactly. Reaching out to people that do short covers and such and like giving them, you know, certain compliments that like people would just love to hear from someone who thinks, you know, technically yeah, from a, people from a vocal will, standpoint. People will notice it. Like I'll have my reaction videos on average 50,000 views and they get a few hundred comments every single time. I have some with a thousand comments. But there are some people that comment so often that I recognize their usernames, which is kind of crazy to think. Like, I'm over 5,000 subscribers. Sometimes I get maybe 100,000, 200,000 views a month. And it's like, oh, I'm actually recognizing one of my recurring viewers. Like, wow. I don't know. It's it's important to to follow. Don't worry about the ratio of, oh, I have too many people I'm following and I don't have enough followers. Maybe they'll follow you back. Maybe they won't. But engage with them so that you're just plaguing their mind a little bit, you know? And I know it may not sound so fun and cheerful. This is just the, you know, the clerical stuff that goes with, you know, either just running a business like what you and I are doing or, you know, just getting getting gigs. So maybe for <laughs> the start of the new year, when everyone feels like so fresh and so new and they're like, I'm going to do all these resolutions. And maybe that's like the fire under your butt to to really get that going. And you could probably book for the rest of the year and get it out of the way in January. Right. And... Once you have made those connections, once you've made those gigs, and hopefully you do a good job. If you do a good job, usually they'll ask you to come back. If you don't, you'll know. If you do a good job, we'll give you a high five. Yay! (laughs) An unfiltered high five. How about that? (laughs) Sounds steamy. It doesn't sound right. (laughs) Anyways. That's going to bring us to the end of today's episode. Thank you for tuning in to The Unfiltered Musician. If you like this episode, give us a like, subscribe, hit that cute little notification bell to see our other musical content. Yes, and message us with suggestions about what you want to hear about next at unfilteredmusician.podcast on Instagram or unfilteredmusician at gmail.com. We are here for you and see you next Sunday. Sweet dreams.